Hello, and welcome back to BZ Listening. I am your host, BZ Douglas. Up top, I want to apologize for the delay in getting the show up and running again. Uh, my wife, Deb, went out of town for an Italian getaway at the end of August, and it's just been one thing after another with work and life obligations piling up and not making much room for this. So to make up for lost time, this week I have two episodes coming out, and both are quite fitting for Halloween. Today's guest is Doom Chip performance artist N6664, a.k.a. James Barney. And when I first launched BZ Listening, I posted a on a Cleveland Musicians Facebook group that I was starting a podcast and looking for guests, and James was the first and only respondent, and I'm so glad I finally getting around to having him on the show nearly a year later. Uh, I didn't quite know what to make of his music when he sent me his stuff. Um, I had heard chiptune music before, and for those of you who don't know, that's a style of synthesized electronic music that's generated using the soundboards from vintage gaming consoles. Um, but I had never heard anything like this. It was discordant, disturbing, and disorienting. And my first thought was, uh, this might not be the best fit for the podcast shit ah he seems like such a nice guy uh however over the last year i've gotten to see james performing live several times and that completely recontextualized everything for me james's intention with n6664 is to sow discordance disturb and disorient so uh just consider that a fair warning that the tracks interspersed through this episode are not the usual fare for this show and uh james will be the first one to to just cop to be like oh yeah it's hard to listen to bro um that was my quick james barney impression uh you're welcome or i apologize james uh, aside from his music james and i also discuss his new podcast Toddcast, a show devoted to celebrating the work of Todd Rundgren. And I have to admit, I'd never listened to Rundgren before, but after hearing James's passion for Todd in our interview, I'm definitely going to go back and correct that omission. And you can find his show on iTunes or Spotify by searching for Toddcast Cleveland. That's T-O-D-D-C-A-S-T, all one word, Toddcast. Uh, lastly, uh, before I kick off the interview, I just want to remind listeners that there is a Patreon for this show, and I'm finally getting around to really kind of campaigning to build up the supporters for it. I've had it for a while, but uh, it wasn't until the, the last couple months that I started thinking through, like, well, what are the tiers? What would I do if I got certain levels of support? And if you've been a longtime listener, I hope you'll consider throwing some support my way. Every hour of this podcast takes at least two to four to produce, sometimes much longer. And I'm fine with this being a labor of love to an extent, and, and I do love it. But um, over the break, I have had to invest in a new recording device as mine was starting to die. And so there is some cost associated with this, and anything you could do to help offset that would really be appreciated. Um, the good news is, is now uh, I have a Zoom uh, H6, so I can record full bands. I can get have panel discussions with up to six people recording at once. So looking forward to that. Um, 
And with a solid base of patrons, even at like the $1 a month level, I can really broaden my ambitions for the show. And like I said, I want to have full band interviews, panel discussions, live event recordings. Um, there's a whole bunch of tiers and perks and, and, and goals set up. If you want to check them out, that's at patreon.com slash bzdug. That's B-Z-D-U-G. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now here's my interview with N6664. Your first uh, foray into music, like, we're, like we're, we're gonna play like clips of N six 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 four. Did I get all the sixes right? That's the hard N-6-6-6. thing. About N six six six. Yep, you got it. Four. four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people take away a six. Some people add a six. Yeah, and but the, it's an important number. It's important to keep it intact. I like it when I told I tell metalheads, "There's okay, there's three sixes." They go, "Come on, man, I'm a metalhead. I know there's three sixes. I'm like, <laughs> "All right, respect, respect." And then when I tell nerds that's N6664, they go, "Oh my god, it's N6436. That's really good." Or my personal favorite is when I tell people and they don't get it until like months later on the toilet or on in the car on the way home. They go, "Oh, that's my f- yeah, that's that's what I like. I don't know." Take yeah. a six, add a six, as long as you get it eventually. So, yeah. So, where did uh, you first um, encounter a Game Boy? Okay. Which is your primary so, instrument. The Game Boy? Boy, oh. Well, where it all starts, man. 1990, what, eight with Pokemon? Oh, yeah, that was it, bro. And I didn't have an actual Game Boy. I was always playing, like, other people's Game Boys. But I didn't get an actual Game Boy until like 2004. I had a big bulky red one. That's like this one, the original DMG. I got a big bulky red one. And I used to have to play uh, at the pool because I was a pool rat. Those were still going strong at two in 2004. Well, I I was I was a, I'm an only child with a bunch of hand me downs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was like a friend of a friend had a big bulky Game Boy and needed somebody to play Pokemon with, so they gave it to me. And I just remember how many batteries that thing ate up playing Pokemon. And we used to sit at the pool and uh, during adult swim, we would all play Pokemon for like 15 minutes, half an hour, had link cable, stuff like that. And at the time, like I was, um, I was still playing guitar or I had been playing guitar for like a year or two at that point. And before I would go to the pool, um, I would have to sit for half an hour and play Robert Johnson songs like along. Like my dad would be like, okay, it's 1130. And I used to go through newspapers on Wednesday. So even if I did like come back and like finish newspapers, I still have to play. So all of my licks on the guitar and just knowing the instrument comes from that. But so then I would go and play uh, Pokemon at the pool and then come back, play guitar. So when I was in sixth grade. So the guitar preceded the, the Game Boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents put me in one season of soccer in my second grade my coach was mojo nixon if you remember mojo oh yeah, i've heard of them yeah yeah and that was cool that's a cool like shout out to like old mtv days right there where people go a lot of like old college guy rocks uh, college rock guys like that you know you talk to them about rem and you go yeah you know my soccer coach in second grade is mojo nixon they go really mojo nixon and skip roper but um so yeah, but when I was in sixth grade, I went to the YMCA Camp Kern for like a week. And when you when you go to Camp Kern at Marymount in Cincinnati, like I did, you get a senior year, 
Marymont like people to be in your camp camp uh, counselor thing. And there's this guy named Andrew Gould. Now, when I was in 2006, like MCR was happening, like My Chemical Romance, like Sosin, like all that cool shit. So then I was just like a little like small 12 year old with long hair, you know, and I thought that shit was cool because they're in MTV too. So this guy was rad. His name is Andrew Gould. And when I was like trying to flex, I'm being like, yeah, I saw this really cool movie called Napoleon Dynamite over the summer. He goes, oh yeah, I went to a special screening of that. And I was like, whoa, this dude's cool. (laughs) So fast. And he used to play with like Aiden and all those bands and stuff like that. He had like the skin tight shirts, but yeah, fast forward a few years, 2011, my junior year of high school, I find him on Facebook and I go, Hey, how's it going, man? You know, like just wanted to reach out to you. You're a really cool dude. Um, so we're gonna see if you want to hang out. So we were hanging out at that point. He was probably like 22, 23. And I was like 17. We were all just hanging out and I go, well, what are you doing musically now? And he goes, Oh, I do this. He pulls out a super Nintendo, puts in his game boy cartridge on the super game boy at the top and starts playing me. Cause he had just gotten into uh, making music on LSDJ. And I go, what is this? And he goes, I get to make everything in my band with through the game boy. And I go, show me. So he showed me, introduced me to a lot of his, like, at the time I call it the Chipsonati people, um, who were just now then getting into LSDJ and stuff like that, like Hunter Quinn. Now, LSDJ, is that like a software platform for mm-hmm. coding music on? It's Yep, it stands for Little Sound DJ. There's four channels in it, and it accesses all four <laughs> channels of it. Waveforms, noise uh, channels, like white noise manipulation. And then like the synth, the pulse channels and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So that's how I got back into playing Game Boy. I wasn't playing Pokemon though. Um, That was like 2011 and I've been doing it ever since. And it's weird. It's weird because my parents would never buy me a Game Boy. Okay. They spoiled me with musical instruments, right? Like massively, like so many musical instruments. Were your parents musicians? My dad, uh, my mom could sing. <laughs> my dad wishes he could sing. That's what I tell people. Um, <laughs> and they think it's funny. My mom's always <laughs> loved music. Um, and my dad wanted to be a musician. I just didn't think it worked out for him. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, that guitar over there is his, though. Shout out that Les Paul back there. Oh, nice. I actually learned how to play on a big boy guitar with that guitar. But, um, yeah, he was left-handed at a time where, like, it was tough to be a left-handed guitar player and learn right-handed. And maybe if I'm guessing, he's just probably too lazy to learn how to play right-handed. I don't know. but um, And expensive if you don't want to learn right-handed, yeah, I know. but you like, want to play. Left-handed like, guitar is like an extra like two to $300, even for like a squire. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird concept. But um, so it's never panned out for him. My dad really sucks at singing. He's like really bad at singing, man. Like anytime somebody says, oh, I'm not good at singing, they're probably being insecure. My dad really sucks at singing. It's like oh, impre- oh. it's impressive. No, will he be listening to the podcast? Yes, or he will. And he'll, he'll, and he'll his... sit there and he'll go, "Yeah, man, I'm pretty bad at singing." But, uh, um, so yeah, my mom used to run a like a karaoke business, so she did a lot of singing and stuff like that, uh, like a small karaoke business. And um, so she's always been pretty musically inclined. But I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky, dude. Because my parents are 20 years apart. So right when I feel like a spectrum of my dad's musical tastes kind of peaks off, you know, teeters off a little bit. Um, 
I feel like hers pick, picked up, you know? Uh, and that's like really unique. Like, I feel like that's a really cool thing that I got to grow up with. Um, n- my dad, he loves music. I mean, shout out the Marty Barney music only page on Facebook. Um, that's, that's all he wants to do is just post music and stuff like that. And he has a lot of albums and he's always loved music and he has a very large spectrum of music. Um, I'm sure he went through like a jerk phase where he would go to parties and be like, well, you don't have Jay Giles uh, Full House Live. We're out of here, boys. <laughs> you know? But um, nowadays, I think in, in his older age, he's like, his spectrum of music is, you know, I think it's a little more open. Yeah. And my mom's always got a pretty awesome taste in music. Like, even if, like, I find out about 2 Live Crew when I'm, like, 18 or 19 and bring it up to her, she goes, oh, yeah, 2 Live Crew. Like, come on, man. That was, like, I was your age and that was coming well, out. That's one of those uh, mistakes I feel like Deb and I are trying to correct with raising our kids because we both like it's not that like our parents didn't listen to music right but it was more like it was all just oh whatever we listen to is just whatever our parents happen to be listening to yeah. versus like we we take the you know try and be with the boys like all right let's check out classical let's check yeah. out all this and survey yeah. all of music and and uh yeah and I always Even- find that like my I've always been grateful for people who come in, have come into my social circle or in, like, you know, in my life, like through family or whatever. And then they introduce you to like music. It's, yeah. it's been so important. And there's yeah. a lot of shit that I, I, I'm almost like, why didn't I know about this until I was 30 or whatever? Right. Like, I, cause if you're just going like, I'm going to go look for the, all the music, mm-hmm. it's harder than if you have people around you that are like, Oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And, but my dad's always been, you know, now I think about it, my dad's always been really good about it. Like, we had a box set of CDs called Classical Music for People Who Hate Classical Music. And it's a really good collection. That sounds like a good gateway. It's a really, yeah, and it's a really good collection. And uh, it's not lying to you. It really is classical music for people who hate classical music. Well, but so, it, for anyone to say, I hate classical music, ah. I, I, it's as it's it's nonsense as saying that about any genre. Yeah, well, I mean, because... There's, a, I mean, you're right. some, no, you're right. You know, because, if you get really, really, really into a narrow genre, like, right. yes, okay. I don't like that type of, yes. you know, like reggaeton or something. Okay. Like, which I right. don't just because it sounds like the same. I always think it's the same. I always thought it was one song that's really well, that's popular. Well, that's how I feel about dub too. So that's fine. Yeah. yeah. But to say classical, it's like, that's, that's a big okay. genre. So it's kind of like saying, I hate country. And it's like, no, really, you don't hate country. You might just hate radio country mm-hmm. right now, you know, which is fair. That stuff is not that great. But I really love the old guys like Hank and stuff like that, you know. Good murder ballad. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Roger, uh, Roy Rogers and stuff like that. And uh, But, um, yeah, like, I don't know. So that's a good point. I never thought about it like that because I guess classical is too broad of a spectrum to say, oh, I hate classical. Because even then you might be like, well, I like musicals. Well, you wouldn't have... Well, I get who it's appealing to as a title. It's someone who's probably just discounted the whole genre. Versus like, you know, you're not going to get heady with it and be like, uh, Baroque music for people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, uh, what do you do for like, in 20 years, a box set called, or like 50 years, let's say, a box set, if they have box sets then. (laughs) called metal music for people who hate metal music what's that system of down yeah what you is know? metal what is what metal is gonna be when you're looking at back on it, like a genre uh, with like a century worth of yeah. music in it or whatever seriously bam
Well, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming through. It's it's really nice to have people here, and uh, and because I, I do the podcast alone. Oh yeah. So it's nice to actually talk to somebody and be interviewing. It's very cool. What is the Toddcast? So have I not uh, like I, I've always blamed the Zuckerbots for like sure. if you share yeah, things I'm and totally people don't see it. It's like well then yeah, I, I feel like a dick that I don't know what's going on. But I don't not- get upset that nobody has heard of the Toddcast because of the Zuckerbots because that's the only promotion that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just me because Zach, my friend and the co-host Zach Wolf, um, he doesn't have social media at all. And he goes, well, well, should I? Should I? And I go, no. It's like that. I told him, I grabbed him, like that scene in Billy Madison where he goes, stay here. Stay pure. Stay pure. I was like, no, dude, just stop. Just stop. What, science is going to need you yeah. as like a control yeah. for the rest of humanity. And, and it's, it's great. When we talk, he, he's the same way with like politics too. Like he doesn't know anything about politics and shout out to him. I love him. But like when we talk about conspiracy stuff, I just look at him and go, "No, man, you can't. You're no. Just stop. Just stay. Just stay, dude." Like when he when he started, we started talking about Brian Epstein, and then he goes, "Well, tell me all about." I'm like, "Dude, we're Jeffrey." At, yeah, or yeah, Jeffrey Epstein. Don't put that motherfucker's name I'm anywhere sorry. near my I'm name. I'm sorry, but we we started. We started. Somebody asked me about it, and we were talking about it at the work, and he walked up and started asking me about it, and I was like, "Dude, just don't. Just stay where you are." Like, so what is the podcast? Oh, yeah. What's right. the what's the so uh, hook? The Toncast is a. Uh, a podcast all about how much we love Todd Rundgren. Because, oh, yes. I have seen you post about this. Yes. Because Zach and I both love Todd Rundgren very much. First word I could ever speak was Todd. The first letter I could ever write was R. Because in the mid-90s, when Zach and I were both born, at that time, he was TRI. The artist formerly known as Todd Rundgren. And he was doing like a whole like interactive music thing and was like basically predicting Spotify 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And sinking a lot of money into media that we use now, but he didn't really reap any rewards. And I'll out myself as like I don't know if I've listened to I, I'm he, I'm sure I've heard a Todd mm-hmm. Rundgren song, but have I've you, heard more of like, like he a, was a reference in a a play I did once oh, really? where someone was just like th- a throwaway line like no one wants to hear your thesis about Todd Rundgren. Boom, there you go. <laughs> That's great. No, but yeah, we we love Todd Rundgren. We. Uh, essentially became friends because of Todd Rundgren. And we like to joke that we're like the youngest Todd Rundgren fans. So um, even when we went to like a Todd Rundgren party a couple weeks ago, like one of the guys in a band was like, well, people who are under 60. And I go, yeah, yeah. Like we're almost like ashamed of it. Well, but. So is your show, is the goal of it to like bring Todd Rundgren to the new generation? Yes, or what is essentially. A, what is a format for a show that like just follows an artist like the senator so, artist todd has a lot of, he, he's worn a couple different hats he's worn the hat of being in a band called utopia which started off as a prog band or okay we'll go even more back he was in a band called naz which is kind of like an american version of the british invasion and stuff like that and then he went and became a solo artist and to fill the void of financially being okay as a solo artist he also started producing so he produced like paul butterfield blues band uh meatloaf um, XTC, uh, the bands, uh, Grand Funk Railroad, um, Patty Smith, you know, the list goes on psychedelic furs. So he started doing that. And then in the meantime, he was releasing solo albums, but financially he wasn't just relying on solo albums. Right. Okay. But it was a good time because it was the mid seventies, you know, or early seventies and that we're still talking about Warren's Yvonne for some reason, but, uh, <laughs> But uh, anyway, Todd Rundgren, yeah, he, he's worn many different hats. And then he was in a band called Utopia. That was like his band band 
started off as a prog band, moved into the 80s, started doing a lot of different things. Todd's always been a wizard behind like recording engineer as well as musicality and stuff like that. And we feel that it's important for people to keep going on with his music. And we're really happy to, to try to take the helm of that. So we do like things about why we love Todd. We do uh, album reviews. We'll talk about our favorite Todd interviews. Well, hell, there. I mean, there's a podcast. I can't remember which show it is. It's something. It's something crazy. Like all they do is watch Billy Madison and every week do another so, episode yeah, like about Bi- okay. like I. It's not that movie, but um, then there's other ones. Yeah, that center on an artist and like okay, today we're going over this body of their work or mm-hmm. this aspect exactly do you guys frame it like that yeah we um we we're also big like when we were kids and young and dumb we were really big alkaline trio fans so i i showed him this podcast called um as you were and i was like this is how these guys do it i mean yeah they're corny and yeah they talk about how oh you can really hear and and matt's voice that he just wants another cigarette you know we're like oh dude, we're not gonna be doing anything like that but they're doing it and they're making it happen and they relate, relate their personal life to the song that they're reviewing. And we do a lot of that same thing too. Um, especially in the reviews and stuff like that. But we also talk about Todd shows that we wish we would have went to or Todd shows we've been to before. Um, have, have you got started delving into getting uh, guests that are peripheral, like Todd Rundgren, other aficionados yep. or people peripheral to his work? We we have a short list of people. We want to do that. There's this guy over here, uh, Christopher Williams at Midwest Concert Video. Um, he knows how Todd did uh, the first TRI album, which is up there. I used to play on my uh, Packard Bell computer. Oh, let's see. And... Um, he knows how Todd did it. And I've, I've looked online and I've seen a couple of like pieces about how it's done, but this guy is like, knows how it's done. So when we review TRI, he's coming on and he's totally down. And, um, so people like that, there's also these nice folks, the Rungan radio network. Yeah. Um, they have been doing it for 12 years and they've, I think they've interviewed like 300 people. We're talking like everybody in utopia, uh, Todd's wife, <laughs> Um, the guys in Naz, except for one of them. And then beyond, beyond basically everybody, but meatloaf, I think has, and probably the guy from XCC has, has done a Rungan radio network. So we, they're taking the helm for all those folks. We're trying to do a thing, the thing with it being young, you know, that's like the angle. Yeah. Is, well, and you, it, I think you're in a good position with a podcast if, you do. I mean, it can be an advantage to have such a narrow focus. Yeah. You know where to find your fans. Like, or, you know, yeah. anytime someone's it's a little bit of everybody. Time. Yeah. 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 And um, that sounds, that, I mean, that's, that sounds, I struggle with this podcast it being such an open thing. I don't even know, like, well, where okay. do I, oh, it's pretty much episode to episode, yeah. artist to artist, like, oh, tell their audience about it. But, yeah. Um, in general, it's like, oh, if you were interested in grassroots musicians yeah. or a potpourri of political and social or shit. Or your local mayor. like Yeah, yeah like <laughs> I'm just kind of going for whatever I can grab. I like that. No, it's cool. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I enjoy your podcast a lot. But yeah, so the Toddcast is all about why we love Todd Rundgren. We would love to, we, we tell people at the end of every episode, go ahead and email us at ToddcastCleveland uh, at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to be, if you if there's something you want to contribute to it, we are we are here. We use Discord. We can get you in. Like yes. we got you. So um, yeah, we we just really love Todd Rungren like a lot. Like 
I, Zach is my boss. And at my interview, he goes, oh, I was looking forward to meeting you. And I go, I was looking forward to meeting you too. And I goes, I remember you from, uh, I was working at the Vintage Apparel, which was an old, like, big fun adjunct on Coventry. And it was a very unique store. So I remember you came in there and bought a, uh, a sweater for your girlfriend. That's the salesman to me. I remember shit like that. And he goes, oh, really? Wow. And then he goes, well, I was looking forward to you because you said your uh, favorite musician of all time is Todd Rundgren. I go, yeah. And he goes, but I have a question for you. Do you have a picture of you and Todd in your wallet? And I go, no, but I do have this. And I tap my button down. I unbuttoned it. Todd Rundgren shirt right there. <laughs> I was waiting for a tattoo. You no. Know, can't, I can't commit to a tattoo. Someday I thought about uh, doing uh, a Todd Rundgren lyric called from this album called... Uh, uh, but it would go across my chest like a douchebag and it would say, how can I change the world when I can't change myself? That's a good line. That's good. But uh, I'm, I'm not putting it to ink. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I flexed that shirt and he goes, holy shit, you're the real deal. And then he pulled out a picture and, of him and Todd from his wallet. Well, you I don't go, ask a question like that. If no, you, if you, you weren't ready to yes. flex too. Yeah. <laughs> so he did and I go, holy shit, you're the real deal. And we asked each other what our favorite uh, albums were. Ooh. And his was uh, Todd's first two like stu- studio albums. And then mine was the TRI stuff from the mid-90s. And he goes, holy shit. Because most people say, nothing, not that there's anything wrong with these albums, but most people say, something, anything, uh, or to Wizard, a true star. And that's it. Which is fine, because those are amazing albums. That's what really made him as a name, I think. But um, yeah, so we've, we talk about Todd every day at work.
So how does Todd Rundgren, um, being like your the musician that has yep. grabbed you the most yep. since the beginning, how uh, does that inform what you do with N six 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 four? Or it, is that just a yes. totally outside of that? No, no, it's all. I feel like art is derivative. I feel like what I do with N triple six four is very much like what Todd Rundgren does, but just I feel like I'm trying to do something different like because chip tunes is the genre of music that i technically make i make music on a game boy obviously um but i was like man all this shit just sounds like mega man which is cool but i want to do something different so i literally just do the um program little sound dj completely wrong and it sounds right and it sounds different and shout out to uh, a local chip tune artist the guy who i did uh the eminem cover set last night nick gunsberg He's uh, the only other chiptune artist in uh, Cleveland, and his name is Laser Guns. But last night, he was Drazer Guns. He was my Dre. And I was M664. But um, he uh, he's like, whatever you're doing with LSDJ is crazy. He goes, I don't even know what you're doing. I go, I think I just learned it wrong, man. I think I really <laughs> just learned it wrong. And um, But yeah, I do like a Todd cover or two. Like, um, 
during uh like fair warning is like the intro of it is the todd part mm -hmm. um and then every once in a while i'll do born to synthesize and then um but yeah it's just it's it's the going back to like what we were talking about earlier with coding if todd messed up it's on him you know it's cre he cre he created being his own boss and that's how i felt with intro six four the last band that i was in cincinnati I know these people aren't going to listen, so I'm just going to say it. There was like five people in our band, okay? Maybe six, I can't remember. And if everybody said yes to playing a show on a Monday, but the drummer, that pissed me off, man. Yeah. That pissed me off so much. If somebody hit me up, <clears throat> hit me up for a show tomorrow, I can show up with my Game Boy. And before I drove, it was so much easier, too, because I just had the backpack, a bike, and my Game Boy. Mm -hmm. Now I get the car, and I get the amp, stuff like that. And it sounds cool. It sounds great, but yeah. But um, even for like a while, like there was two, I was using two Game Boys and a bunch of pedals. And I remember grabbing my, my girlfriend and being like, it was just me and a Game Boy. What happened? It used to be just me and a Game Boy. And then now I've finally broken it back down to just one Game Boy. But, um, but yeah, Todd, uh, if, if it's my fault I messed up, uh, then that's it, man. I'm my own boss. And Todd, I feel like he kind of did the same thing. Um, I'm lucky though because I have a really big umbrella over my head called performance art. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think Todd had that as a serious musician. I'm not sure though. I'll be curious to know. But yeah, if if anything does mess up, I have this really big umbrella I can just hold up and go performance art. If the PA is going bad, I go all right. Fuck this place. Fuck this game, boy. Fuck you. Fuck you too. You cool. Fuck you, and then drop the mic and walk so away. So was the like the the audio aesthetic that you mm -hmm. achieved with LS, uh, LSD, LSDJ, yeah. LSDJ. Um, did, so that kind of happened like you're fooling around with it and you're like, Oh, I like where that's going. Yeah. And then that created this sort of doom yes. persona. Right. And like, what, so what do you, what do you feel like you're pushing out on stage through your words? Yes. And the spoken part of your performance, which, um, that'd be my only criticism on your, on your, why well, I like seeing you live. And like, I had heard you before I saw you mm -hmm. live and I was trying to make out some of the stuff in the audio mm -hmm. and it comes through clear when you're like there and I can see like yeah. seeing you deliver it to the audience yeah, yeah. is really powerful okay. too. And, and I was just curious how it's, that came about. I think, Oh, interesting. I like that question. I think a lot of the words are open ended left open for interpretation that's the kind of wording that I like in songs and I look for. Um, like it's less like a coherent thing you're saying than like using phrases as, as instrument elements. Like, yes, exactly. what would you do now? Yes, exactly. <laughs> or, yes. You, know, you just ask. It's it. all about the delivery. You're right. Yeah. And I think what I'm trying to get past with it, cause like words like, um, will you be the one to open the gate? Like, what does that mean? Like I'm walking in and I need you to hope with the groceries and I need you to open the gate or will you be the one to open the gates of hell, you know, something like that. But just having it to be, will you be the one to open the gate? That just, is, that's what's so engaging. Is you just kind of do that. You ask a question yes. almost repeatedly. And, 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 and it, it brings people in and it keeps them there. So even if I feel like people aren't enjoying the whole metal aspect of it, which I understand could be turning off, people stick around because I'm being provocative and being a weirdo with a Game Boy in my hand and a microphone, you know, like, um, and it keeps people around and people remember it. And that's really all that I want. Um, 
everything I, all the music that I make are all sounds that I want to hear. When I can't sleep at 3.30 in the morning and I start working on my music, I go, yeah, this shit rips. Like, this is really good. Like, I'm glad I'm doing this. I'm glad I'm the one to be doing this. Um, because it is a very unique take on the chiptune style. I've coined the term chip doom. But, um, yeah, man, I, it's, it's, the sounds are just for me, but the live show is for everybody. I love performing for people, whether it's literally the other bands on the, uh, on the bill <laughs> or the whole crowd of people like it was last night. Like, just love performing for people. And I love things like even doing an Eminem cover set where people are <laughs> held on to all of the words, you know, um, or just, will you be the one to open the gates or, uh, yeah, uh, whatever. I, I have to like be in N64 mode to remember all the lyrics, but, uh, yeah, I saw you the last time I saw you was at ingenuity fest. Yeah, that's right. That was and, a good one, man. um, the visuals you brought on stage mm -hmm. too, was that stuff that you made just for ingenuity or are yes. you going to roll that out more? I'm often? probably just going to keep that one for ingenuity. Yeah. yeah. Um, that just because of how good it was, that's how I want it to be remembered. I might have something else in the future for something like that, but I don't want to use, reuse well, the they were one. abstract. And if I could immediately see them as like, if you just had even like a small projector, it was just blasting you yeah, with like these, cool. these digital lights and things like yeah. that. Cause I got, I use the floodlight now, but I think that could be cool too. Oh yeah. But I think the, the projector in the same vein of the floodlight could be cool too though. But yeah, I'll consider it. But um, yeah, that was cool, man. That was a good one. I really didn't know what to expect out of Ingenuity. It was kind of like a bucket list Cleveland thing for me to do. So that was like really awesome. Um, and the crowd was very receptive. I did count how many people walked away, but that's like a, that's a little personal fun for me because I do like going back to like you know the performance art aspect and the words is I do like when I know that you don't like it. Or you're going to walk away, okay? Because I like the whole front man aspect of having the power on the room, whether it's good or bad. Um, I did a rap show with my friend last October, and they cleared the room. And I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so cool. Because I was just the hype man in the back, you know? I wasn't, like, doing anything. But I thought it was so cool. You could clear out an entire main room, now it's class, and then walk out back where all the people left and then they immediately run back in. <laughs> I think the power of that as a front man is so cool. Um, and his music doesn't suck. His music was good. People just weren't about it. <laughs> so, Oh man, but whatever, but whatever. He, See, that's what I was going to say is like when you're, when you're setting yourself up for like, I'm want to do something performative yeah. and the point of it is antagonistic. And yes. I honestly, it's nice if you like this music, but I made it because I really dig listening yeah. to it. And if people somehow just, say like we don't ever need to see this again you're like that's fine i'll be i'll, I'll, I'll yeah. enjoy the show this but, stuff and, and that's all the more reason why that'd like, be your ultimate like cleared the room yeah. <laughs> like there's no more stages for yeah, you yeah yeah and that's how i feel like it's turned into sometimes but then i but you know what this year's been great because i've been i get hit up for shows all the time i'm not surprised yeah. it's cool I mean, yeah i worked my ass off in 2018 to like get my name out there because but it's also a memorable name when people see it once they go oh yeah that's right i remember this guy yeah um, and I've gotten shows just off of that where people go, I can, I could go, we need a band for a night, six thirty, seven thirty. Okay. I'll be there. I usually ask artists like, you know, how do you, how are you defining success mm. for yourself as, as a musician? Yeah. Um, it seems almost like you, I mean, 
you've achieved the success of just like, I like doing this. Yeah, I enjoy doing it. Um, do you see bigger things for this? Or do you think this is something that is Honestly, going to become your like 100% project? Or it's one of many things to come? One of many things to come for a long time, for eight years now. Wait, oh my God. Yeah, since 2011. This is what I've been doing. I was in a band. I was in two other bands that like lasted for six months maybe um, in Cincinnati. And then I when I came up here, I was like, Okay, Cleveland's got a better noise, see, or like, you know, like radar here. It's, you know, I'll probably do a little bit better than Triple Six Four, but I still had to put in the work to like meet people and say, hey, how's it going? You know, I would just show up to shows at Grog Shop and hang out outside and not go to the show and go, hey, how's it going? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Oh, me? Oh, yeah, I make original Doom Metal Nintendo Game Boy. And people go, what? And then I hand them one of my cards. Um, so I put in a lot of the work and shout out to my girlfriend because she would want to go out the shows with me and I'd be like, babe, I'm doing promotion. And she'd be like, oh, okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to have fun. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's just going to have to stand around and BS with me. Or you could use her and just have her standing around like, Hey, have you heard about that N664? Just do that watercolor cooler plant. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, even like I was telling the story last night, I went to an MC Chris show like last year. Mm. You remember him? Yeah. Yeah. She was not good, man. And, but, and I try to get on that show, um, but it just didn't happen. Politics. And, um, but there is a, uh, you, you're, you're aware of Zayla, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You had him on the podcast. Yeah. That's right. Um, he was hosting a B side. The show was at Grog Shop and B side had, um, on Sunday nights, a uh, open mic, and they were having an MC Chris pre-party at B-Side. You get like a dollar off your drinks, you know, or something like that if you had a ticket to the show. I had it set up when everybody was there for the MC Chris. I was like, Zayla, let me do the N Triple Six Four thing, and that was my promotion for that night. I didn't have to play this shitty fucking show upstairs. Like that was that was as good as it gets for a guy who can't busk. Mm-hmm. That was like that was up there, man. So I, I've done a lot of crazy, wild things, and I've played like a lot of acoustic shows, like places like houses and like, McFarland Manor and McFarland Manor. And, and shout out to McFarland Manor because they've been super supportive. Those are really great people there. Um, and yeah, and uh, I've played a lot of acoustic shows, but people are still welcome to it and cool with it. And especially at one of these acoustic shows, like this kid from Chicago. He was talking during my set and I grab him and I go, if you're not listening, you can get the fuck out. And guess what? He stayed. That, <laughs> that brought him in, man. That he was, and he was like, oh shit. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, and I didn't have a mic for that show cause it was a acoustic show. I was just plugged in some dudes like Marshall he had around and it was a really cool show. So I just had to do it like holler With, over it yeah big time which i which I had, I had a lot of fun doing i actually thought about getting like a like britney spears microphone after now, that but <laughs> how much getting into like the technicals of your performance mm-hmm. with the the game boy what so what are you doing um during it are you setting up a new sequence to play exactly. or at no point are you you're yeah. like you you're no hitting I'm, things I'm, that are occurring live yeah you're, so you then with lsdj little sound dj you can do one of two things you can go in, you can, obviously you set up the sequences and all the channels and stuff like that. You can go in and there's a feature called song mode where you can press play. And then, but I don't do that. I use a program called live mode for two reasons. Number one, those dudes, uh, Andrew Gould, who goes to Andar You Go, that Camp Kern guy, 
And then his friend, Hunter Quinn, which I've listened to a thousand chip artists in my life, he is the all-time best. Like, literally, he's the best, Hunter Quinn. And um, they used to bully me and say, if you don't play in live mode, you're not really playing. Okay? And I go, oh, you know, I was a 17, 18-year-old, you know, 19-year-old, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm playing in live mode. Then I had to learn it that way. And even when people go, yeah, I play in song mode, I go, Phew song mode so you press and play and walking away <laughs> i like to use live mode feature when i do n triple six four because i'm activating sequences as i go like it's an npc so in that effect i'm closer to kanye which is sick and then <laughs> and then um i also can drag parts out or fix something a little bit more quickly and every performance is different in that fashion I have an idea of how the song will go, mm-hmm. um, but I can feel the moment a little bit more when I'm hitting the sequences and activating them as I go. Um, so that's how I do that. With and I'm, I, that's a good question because it's like one of my favorite parts about performing. Sometimes it backfires as you, that happens with sequencing, but that again, that's where the that umbrella comes in, man. That big performance art umbrella. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so so take. I'm curious how you're. What was it like the first time you broke this out and and has it evolved substantially yeah. from like what you started out doing to what you're doing now? Yes. Um, it started off as instrumental for, for years, just no vocals, stuff like that. It's pretty boring to watch. So you just kind of sit there and you're staring at your screen. And then, well, then you go like this, you know, cause I'm a front man. I got to yeah. move around stuff like that. And I jump up and down or something like that. Um, but, um, but was that back when it was more like songy? Songy, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I got the idea to do the poetry thing, or what what initially was poetry when I was listening to Jim Morrison, American Prayer. Have you ever heard that before? So do you, do you remember that terrible Doors biopic from like 92 with Val Kilmer? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember at the end where he's like sitting in a studio just doing poetry? Vaguely. Yeah. Um that is like an actual thing in 1976 the doors like the band like everybody who was alive um robbie krueger john dinsmore and ray manzarek they took all of his recordings of those poetry things and made an album out of it like added music to it and like sequenced it and it's really good and it tells a big story about like the american way you know stuff like that um which ends up being a lot of like melting pot of culture and stuff like that. And that's really speaks to, uh, James, James Morrison's character. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, yeah, so I heard that and I was like, you know, I could do something like that with intro six, four, with the, the doom thing, you know? Um, and as my girlfriend so elegantly put it after ingenuity fest, actually, she goes, your vocals have gotten really good. Cause at the beginning it just sounded like you were having a fit. So, and I was, I was doing the instrumental thing up until like 2016. And then I started to, when I started to break away from that last band I was in before I moved to Cleveland, um, I started to do the N triple six, four thing. And I had like a book of poetry and I had the game boy and I was like, you'd be one open the game, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, eventually dropped the book and then I had the two game boys and then I'm back to one. So that's how that evolved, um, and that took like all of 2017 to actually like perfectly do before moving into what would become the current form of Intro Six Four with just the Game Boy and the microphone. So, and even now, that's how I write. I mean, that's the formula. So, all right, going back to your question about how like 
like what's the next step like what do you feel like you've achieved honestly i really did have like the greatest achievement in my life this year because i get hit up for shows i don't have to like bug people about it the shows i do bug people about are shows i really want to be on okay and then i'm lucky to get on because i've played all of these other shows back here and um something happened where i was on a little sound dj forum on facebook and this guy posts he's from singapore and he says i'm if any, for fans of music of metal and chip tunes listen to this okay and he posts this band that he's in called nemesis n3m3515 uh-huh. and like basically lead speak right and uh it's my stuff <laughs> it's like not my stuff but like that's my formula and so I was so about it because when I looked at his tags on Bandcamp. You officially have a genre. Yes. His tag was Chip Doom. I coined that. And I was like, fuck yeah. And I, dude, yo, I'm in Triple Six Four. Here's my stuff. If you haven't heard it, let's do a split. And he goes, oh shit, you're in Triple Six Four. I love your stuff. Thank you. 
What are you hoping for to close out uh, this year and going into 2020? Into the coding project, dude. That's the thing. I'm trying to have a nice little bow uh, on this EP that I've been kind of, we'll call it touring on for the last year. Um, I just want to have a nice bow with the set that I've had, the whole 45-minute set. And then... When I go to school and maybe even like December, I would really like to record another EP and have that sit in the internet for a little bit. And then when I get out of the coding program, um, get back into playing shows over the summer. Cause Cleveland really shuts down here from like January to April. Because really like, but it is cool because like Bravo artists and Eventbrite just have this city by the balls all year long and that's fine i come from cincinnati they don't have that but they're seen as like a bubble you know everybody's playing with everybody and then that's it nobody ever really goes anywhere Mm -hmm. which was cool for me because that's i like to play shows i don't care but now we get a lot of cool acts and that's like one of the best things about um being in cleveland is i got to see danzig you know like i would have never known how bad he is live if i hadn't moved to cleveland man (laughs) But, um, well, so you saw him when, how old is he now? Hey man. Hey, we have the same birthday. He is 64 years old this year. And I saw I him. Think he gets a pass for having a bad show listen, at 60. Listen, <laughs> listen here. Saw him at the Agora. It was my first show over the Agora. And he could do the evil Elvis thing really fucking good. Cause he's Danzig. So it was, yes. And hey, really fucking awesome. But in between songs, when he would talk, you know, we've been doing this for 40 years. It's like, oh, shit, Danzig, shut the fuck up. We, we know you. We, it sounds like you've been doing it for 40 years. Go back to being evil Elvis, man. Well, can um, he still, I mean, he, he, had an impressive, he has an impressive yeah. voice. Can he nah, still hold it? Nah. Like, he's really good at the yas and the haze, but everything in between, no. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. He did have an impressive voice, but he tore it a lot. He likes to play, he likes to play shows, too. Mm-hmm. I like the icons, man. I like the people who, like, who are, do their thing. And do it alone-ish and go out and play all the time. But, uh, yeah, he was not good, man. But I would have never known. But, anyway, Eventbrite and uh, Bravo Artists have the city by the balls all year long. And I noticed that a lot of Cleveland bands from January to April have all of their CD release shows all over town during those months. Why? Because those small little companies that take a lot of money, Bravo Artists and Eventbrite, stuff like that, um, they... Take all the money, but all these bands, they have this like period where nobody's really coming through town. It's not the spring, it's not the summer, it's not the fall. And they get to do have all of their CD release shows in those four months. And so it's a really cool time. But um, yeah, I would like to record that and then have it out by the spring for Intro Blizzix 4. Um, one of my best friends, Dakota Carlisle, helped me record the last one. And with a lot of chiptune stuff, it's all like DEI into the computer, you know, like in your face. Mm-hmm. I wanted the exact opposite. So what we did was I plugged into his role in jazz chorus. Mike the room. Yep. Mike the basement. And then I said, I want it to sound like a Burzum album. And he goes, I got you set up two mics and right into a tape deck. And we got that sound. And it's a very unique sound for like when people go like chip to an artist will go, that's your game boy. Uh, yeah, it's just not the eye, you know. That's really smart to like take it and and step it out of of just like pu- computers plugging in because it's it's like the Game Boy is such like a 
warm digital sound and it's very unique so that with the analog experience like creates this other like being well i know? always say like the the biggest problem you know that i fear i haven't gone into recording anything yet okay. but i know like the biggest problem musicians face is like uh it's, there's artists that'll go and i'll see them live and i love what they're doing live yeah. and then when i hear the recording is just sort of like it's flat. It's yeah. not evocative of what I experienced. Yeah, the translation. So yeah. I think that could serve you really well to be doing a recording and like the, that captures some of like what it sounds like yeah. live. And, yeah, exactly. And yeah. So he did a really good job, um, an amazing job on doing that tape with me. Um, and I would like to do that again, but we'll see. He's a busy guy. He's in a couple bands, Cincinnati, Crime of Passing and the, the Surfs. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. So that's that's like my main goal there. Like I've sit, I'm sitting on enough material for the next EP, and that's how I'd like the year to end. So, um, so yeah, that's all I could do. I got a show um, November second at the Black Market Records uh, down the street, um, and then I, that might be my last show for the year. So. One more chance, y'all. All right. But uh, yeah, well, I just want to thank you for having me on after uh, 11 months. Yeah. Um, actually, no, it's been longer than that. It's been, I think I hit you up in September. Because I really, I tell people all the time, my favorite DIY house show thing I've ever been to is the Carnival. Oh, well, thank you. Seriously, it's so sick. And, and then they go, well, is everybody is booze and having a good, great time? I go, kind of not really, but it's not like our like Clifton parties, you know? Like, there's like, kids running around and it's like it's a really good time like you don't need to get all boozed out and uh you know do whatever you need to do at a party you're welcome to and we'll if if you can't make it home we'll, we'll yeah we'll set so you up it, the it is my favorite i enjoy the ones that uh okay. we're hoping Manor to bring it back um Jan like i think we're thinking the second saturday of january okay we just put it, give it to a good till what, 2020 what uh like it, it you would ideally like would like to have it like every other month right I don't know world. that I have an ideal frequency. Okay. It's usually like I don't want to do it and have it be. Um, I just want it to be good. Yeah. So, so it's you like don't whatever's burn the best time. Yeah. I don't want it. I don't like doing it when it overlaps with other things. Yeah. I don't like fighting to get audiences out. Um, I'm uh, I'm working marketing, so like you know, as much <laughs> as I work in development, so I get tired of having yeah. to market things. Yeah, but. I agree. That's why, yeah. So it's, but it's also just a matter of when, <clears throat> when are our lives, you know, Deb and I yes. pared down a lot. This yes. summer was busy with yes. her going out of town and then Ingenuity Fest that it didn't seem feasible to pull off a carnival yeah. in the summer. But yeah, and we thought about, you know, now with the holidays, it's a hell of a thing to try and cram it in right between yes. New Year. Plus everyone's having their holiday parties right. between the holidays. And it's like, yeah. let's just wait till 2020. Everything's cooled off. We, uh, me and this guy, 88-Bit Keys. Have you heard of him? Oh, that's Could a cool name. No. Yeah. Uh, he translates um, old NES games to piano. He's like a professional like pianist, right? And we were going to have like a big VGM chiptune music show. And we were like, trying to put it together in September. We're like, okay, we would have it by December. And I started to go, man, December at May Halls, it's going to be, it's going to cost us money. We're going to fly people out. Like, let's wait till we spring, you know, let's, I, why well, wanted to not cram that one in and then look around at my money and go, I got to buy everybody gifts now. Fuck. <laughs> you know, um, I didn't want to have to do that. So that's, that's our plan for 2020. We're going to, 
because there used to be a really big chiptune scene in New York and Philadelphia and Detroit. So we would kind of like to do the same thing, at least like a big chiptune BGM fest and bring out like chip artists and stuff like that as in like people that like paint vape it and stuff like that and have a bunch of vendors and oh cool bring like maybe like a video game connection type of people stuff like that and have it at like a place like may halls i think would be really cool for that because they have the space for it really and that main room is sick so <laughs> and the sound is great but um yeah we talked about that and uh, that's that's the we were gonna have in december but we were just like no nah, man we're both i've been insanely busy now that Eminem is done, I get to chill a little bit though, because that was just a lot on my brain all the time, a lot of words, and mm-hmm. um, so. But yeah, and now, now we're in the holidays though. But all right, man. Well, that's it. Yeah, thanks so right, much. Dude. Thank right. you. And now you will be, like I said, you'll be my Halloween guest because I figure Ooh. you've probably got the spookiest music of anyone I'm gonna put and out. I can do my uh, Vincent Price voice. Sounds like this. So yeah, okay. you want to introduce the show? You're listening to Beasy this. You're listening to the Busy Listening Podcast. Oh, wait, no, you got to do it again, but you got to say, this is Vincent Price. <laughs> no, no, I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> I won't do that. Then I can use that's it like as a celebrity he, endorsement. That's like if he did that in Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> this is Vincent Price. Creatures crawl. <laughs> All right, thank you, dude, seriously. All right, man.
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, like any struggling podcast, I can always use a little iTunes love with a five-star rating or swing by the Facebook page, throw a like my way, maybe a couple of comments. And if you really, really like the show, you can kick a couple of bucks my way at patreon.com slash bzdug. That's B-Z-D-U-G. Okay, that's it. End of podcast. Enjoy whatever it is you're about to do next. Thanks. Bye.